Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. My next guests are a shining example that you can change your destiny by taking charge of your situation, unlearning bad habits, and redefining what society considers as normal. Today, they're sharing their story of how they overcame incredible struggles growing up in foster care, but beat the odds to reach success. This is Motivational Mondays. I'm your host, Max Erzak, and joining us are two of my fellow NSLS members, Alexis and Justin Black. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you both with us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a, it's a blessing to be on here. Thank you for having us. Can you tell us a little bit about your journeys before you met each other? Yeah, of course. So as you mentioned before, we both grew up in the foster care system. So I entered the foster care system at the age of nine years old. And I'm originally from Detroit, growing up in Detroit for about 17 to 18 years of my life. And I entered the foster care system at nine years old, largely due to my parents' substance abuse issues. So journeying through the system, of course, there's a lot of ups and downs. You move home to home and you face a lot of struggles of uh, why didn't my parents want me? Why wouldn't they there for me? And so many mental health issues and so many voids you are attempting to fill a lot of times with unhealthy habits. Now, Journeying through the system, eventually I landed in a group home right outside the city of Detroit. And in this group home, it was mainly focused on four boys transitioning into adulthood, where I had plenty of mentors and people to help me get to college and just believe in myself and build my confidence. And my freshman year of college, I met this junior who <laughs> who just inspired me and just challenged me to do so much. And it started as a friendship, but we eventually became partners business partners, but also romantic partners. So she just inspired me to study abroad and do a bunch of amazing, incredible things in life and eventually start my own business. So, yeah. That's awesome. And what about you, Alexis? Yeah. So uh, also I uh, started in foster care in around 13. Um, and that was after my biological mother died by suicide. And I actually found out in high school that that actually ran in my family, that my grandma also died by suicide. And Right after um, my biological mother passed, I went and lived with my biological father, uh, who was at that time I was only seeing on weekends. But um, when my mom passed, that's when a lot of the abuse started with him. And around 13 was that when I actually entered foster care and I was taken out of his home and placed with family members and lived with them for about five years, uh, transitioned to a different school. So it was my 10th school, actually. And uh, my junior year, my aunt kicked me out of her house, packed up all my stuff, threw it outside and told me I need to leave. And that's when I went and lived with my uh, first foster home, that technical foster home and uh, ended up being the most incredible people on the planet. Uh, They're actually now my adoptive parents. I had them adopt me uh, in 2019 in December and then um, went off to college uh, to the University of Michigan Flint, but transferred schools to Western Michigan University where my, actually my parents went. And so kind of want to be closer to them uh, because I felt kind of isolated being back in Flint where I'm from and transition schools. And that's actually when I, when I met Justin was my junior year right after I transferred. 
Sometimes it feels like life is predefined by the circumstances around us. Whether it's societal norms dictating how someone should behave or generational patterns that make us feel like there's a path that we can't escape. What's your advice for living life according to your own standards and not letting others dictate your future? First and foremost, it starts with recognition. Because a lot of times we're birthed into this pathway, into this route that we didn't choose for ourselves, but we don't even know that this is predestined for us. So, for example, with me being an African-American man, with me growing up in poverty, with me having a history of substance abuse within my family for generations, society can already dictate where my end result will be, where my life will go. But it took me being aware of these statistics of black men, of people who come from poverty, of men who come from the foster care system and people who come from the foster care system altogether. It starts with awareness. And when it's when we are aware of the statistics that are set before us, then we can be intentional about overcoming those statistics. So it starts with awareness and then it starts with being intentional on it on a daily basis, saying that, you know, I'm aware that there is substance abuse within my family. So. I have to deal with my anger, deal with my emotions and deal with my letdown and my my failures in a certain way. Be intentional about maybe meditating, prayer, working out, whatever habit you do practice and that you need to do. Practice that on a daily basis and create that daily routine that will make uh, make you get to where you need to be, who you want to be in life. And that's where you need to go. And that's the route you need to take to kind of break those generational habits and those patterns that were set before you. The two of you have accomplished quite a bit in your lives. It seems like you're really good at setting goals and then reaching them. What advice do you have for people who feel like they're spinning their wheels, but not really moving forward and reaching their goals? Yeah, one thing that we do is we set out our goals for the year and say January. Everybody does it. January 1st, set out your goals for the year. What are your resolutions? What are you doing? But most of those actually fail. And that's because most people aren't being intentional on what those are. And then also breaking it down into a SMART goal. And for us, every single goal that we create for the year, we create it into a SMART goal. So how can we break that down by month, by week, and then ultimately by day? And that allows us to stay accountable with each other. We're um, every couple months, we reflect over our goals. How do we need to pivot? How do we need to move forward? But if you just create your goals once a year, are you learning? Are you growing? Are you allowing yourself to pivot and to move past that? And as business owners and as people who are just trying to push towards our goals, that's not realistic to say, you know, I'm going to look at my goals once a year, how much we change in a year. In one year, we wrote a book, we got married, we bought our house, and it only took us two and a half weeks to buy our house once we made that decision we were going to do so, which is not the norm. Don't, <laughs> don't think that's the norm. But if we would have waited, you know, until the following year to say, you know, we're going to create our goals now, and then maybe the next year we'll buy a house. If we would have done that, we wouldn't be where we are right now with our with creating several companies, getting married and buying our house all these different things that all happened in 2020 because we were able to pivot and reflect on those goals that we set out for 2020 because COVID happened, the world changed. And the goals that we set for ourselves on January 1st, 2020 were hundred percent different in March when we reassessed when we were uh, quarantined in an RV outside of my parents' house. We were like, <laughs> how are we going to maximize this year? How can we pivot our goals to make the most of this year? And that's exactly what we did because we were able to, you know, not be, uh, kind of have tunnel vision based on what goals did we set and, and miss out on all those opportunities. And I see too many people that are doing that. They have this end goal. 
they are doing everything they can to reach that, but they're missing opportunities in the way of it, that are coming in um, that are that may kind of deter them from that streamlined goal that they had set for themselves. And so it's being open and uh, I guess just just open to really new opportunities that could that can come forth from it. And one thing I want to add is that a lot of times we set the goal as, oh, I want to sell 1000 mm-hmm. books. I want to sell this many books or whatever. But instead of making number of books you sell your goal, make the action your goal. I'm going to do a pitch to five people today. Every day this week, I'm going to uh, pitch my book to 20 people. I'm going to make 10 social media posts this week. I'm going to spend five hours or however many hours doing promo on social media. Scale it back a little bit before we say, I want to sell a thousand books and 20,000 books. Make, yeah, you can have that as your long term goal and your big goal, but even break it down even further, like Alexis said, to the daily goals where, okay, I'm going to spend five hours today or however many hours today doing uh, creating advertisements and promo for this book on social media. I'm going to cre- do this many pitches for this book. I'm going to try to jump on this many podcasts, have that goal in mind, and then let that build up to selling however many books you want or whatever goal you have. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the type A business oriented person in me, but I always have those, uh, you know, know, those number goals of make this much month or sell this many books, but it's going far beyond that with exactly what Justin said of what are the actions that we're going to do in that process of getting to that. And we have exceeded our goal every single month because we've been focusing more on the action piece of it. What do we have control over? I don't have control over how many people are going to purchase our book, but I have control over how many presentations, how many ads, or how many posts we do. That is something I can control. And I think that is ultimately something we we had to learn in our lives of what can we control and what can we not control. But it's good to have those those larger goals, um, you know, kind of kind of as your North Star pushing you forward, but it's it's really breaking it down to what tangibly can you do to push towards that. It's really interesting in the way you reframed it. Rather than focusing on the actual number, it's doing the action, building the momentum, and then the results will come. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what has happened. We, uh, we published our book and we um, really made a list of what is our why behind this? What is our purpose? And how are we going to achieve that? And that's how we came up with our action items, kind of breaking down that goal into a smart goal of breaking it into action items. And our goal was, you know, sell this many books, do this, do that. But again, I can't control that. So what can we do in our daily lives? And that's exactly what we've done. And, mm-hmm. and because of that, the action or the, the results have come from that. Selling the 5,500 books, the, we're speaking at at least five keynote events this year. We've done over 40 presentations since November, um, all of which have been paid. And we weren't expecting that either. So it's, it's things are coming and momentum is building because we stay true to our why and why we're doing this and taking hold of what can we do in our own, in our own right that we have power over. What role did education play in turning your lives around? Yeah, for me, I always tell people that education really was my coping mechanism because I always felt that education was the one thing that nobody could take away from me. When my world was chaotic, everything was happening around me, adults, social workers, family, whoever it was, everybody was always making decisions for myself. I wasn't able to make any decisions for myself, but I could always decide how I was going to succeed in my education and how I was going to move forward in that. So that was one thing that was mine and nobody could take away or change for me. And so that's why I think I succeeded in education and how it absolutely changed my life. And in high school, just having 
so many teachers and counselors kind of um, reach out their hand and let me know that they're there for me. I mean, I was having lunch with my counselors and my teachers. And so that was also my part of my healing journey um, was my education because I had that supportive network around me. And then when I transferred to Western, Western Michigan University and I joined the CETA Scholars Program, I was surrounded by campus coaches and other individuals that really wanted me to succeed. And so it wasn't just an education anymore. It was how do I build my community and my network of individuals that want me to succeed and are challenging me and holding me accountable and forcing me to deal with things that I I didn't want to before because education is not just academically. It's really how are you learning outside of your classroom and um, learning more about yourself and all these different layers. There's so many layers really to education. How has the NSLS helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, uh, being a part of NSLS actually has provided me with several scholarships, which has been absolutely amazing. Pretty much every time that I've applied, I've ex- I've been awarded a scholarship, which has helped me graduate college with over $200,000 in scholarships. And I was able to study abroad eight times and be a part of so many different opportunities that I don't know if I would have been able to outside of that or, or otherwise, really. And so it allowed me to really focus on my education, where I know so many other students who are working several jobs and trying to fit in their education, where for me, I was able to focus on being a student as my number one job. And that's also why I was able to succeed and excel, because I didn't have to work on those other basic needs where uh, scholarships like NSLS and that community and things help me stay organized and motivated and, um, and fund that as well. Each May, we celebrate Foster Care Awareness Month. A couple of interesting stats. After reaching the age of 18, 20% of the children who were in foster care will become instantly homeless. Only one out of every two foster kids who age out of the system will be successful in finding steady employment by the age of 24. There's less than a 3% chance for children who have aged out of foster care to earn a college degree at any point in their life. The two of you overcame all of these odds and are a beacon of hope for a lot of foster kids today. What's your advice for foster care youth who may be listening to this episode? How can they prepare for the world? There's so many things to say to this, but really I would say some of the things that have helped me is to just do outreach. Reach out to organizations like NSLS. Reach out to different programs and organizations that have successful people. And really get to a, a space in your life where emotionally and mentally, you can really be challenged to be uncomfortable in certain circumstances in order for you to grow. A lot of times as foster youth, we are trying to be independent because we've been forced to forced into survival mode at such a young age. Some of us have been homeless or had to survive on our own since our teenage years. But I really want to challenge foster youth to be independent but also be interdependent, which is one of Alexis' favorite words. Be (laughs) interdependent on those around you who are healthy, who are successful. And if you don't have people who are around you who are healthy and successful, try to do all you can to maybe grab a mentor, grab a coach or someone who is doing something that you want to do in life. And it can be not only just professionally, it could be personally, it could be academically. It could just be, I love what this person is doing with their life as a father, as a mother. And I want to do that one day. And I want to be a part of that one day. So learn from them, reach out to them and try to get them a part of your your network and your relationship circle and try to just 
have people around you who are successful, who are healthy, and try to challenge yourself on those definitions of love. A lot of times we have a, a false definition of love and what it means. Continue to challenge those definitions of love, healthy relationships as it relates to romantic, family, and other things. And continue to try to grow. And in order to grow, you need to be uncomfortable. So continue to try to grow and put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. What's your advice for finding mentors who can guide you in life? Yeah, first, I would always say, look around you and see, is there anybody, as Justin mentioned, uh, somebody that, you know, you kind of look up to, or maybe they have a skill or a talent or something that you just want to learn from. So first, I would say, look around you. And if you don't see any of those individuals around you, which I would question that because there's generally always at least somebody. But if there isn't, then for us, what we've done is we've made social media really a part of our community because a community is really just based on your definition of what that is. Is it somebody in your household? Is it your neighborhood? Is it digital? Um, so you have to figure out what is your definition of community. And so for us, a lot of that is actually through social media. And so we've branched out and found a lot of our mentors actually through social media and watching them kind of observing what are they posting? What do they talk about? What do they care about? And do their principles and morals and values align with ours? And do they have something that I want to learn from? And so like I've reached out to some mentors and or some individuals and I said, you know, would you be willing to mentor me? You have this and this skill that I would love to learn from. You've ran this organization or you're just an incredible person and I would love to learn how to be just more like you. And asking them, are you willing to do that? And you'd be surprised at how many people are just kind of blown away that you're even reaching out and asking that question. And some people may say, may be honest and say, you know, I just really don't have the time for this right now, but check in with me in a couple months. So it's up to you really to keep that ball rolling and follow up with them. Uh, they're not going to necessarily do the work for you, but it's up to you to reach out and to self-advocate and to ask, would you be willing to do this? And so we reached out through Facebook, through LinkedIn, whatever it may be, and um, and just putting that ask out there. You'd be surprised at how many people say yes. What's your advice for removing the negative people out of your life? You are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. I absolutely love that quote. And it helps you reflect on, you know, who are the five people that you spend the most time with? And do you want to be more like them? These are people that you're going to go to for opinions, advice, and they're going to be around you a lot. So you're going to learn from them and you're probably going to adopt some of their habits. Like I know for myself, I've adopted several of Justin's habits just by being around him a lot. And so I had to think of is are these individuals or is this individual somebody that I want to learn from and grow from? Or is this just sucking me of resources, of my, uh, of my identity, of my sanity, uh, and, just, and just really go through that reflection process for yourself? And one thing I would just add to that is to understand if the people around you are conducive for your future is to kind of be, be self-reflective in creating maybe three to five core principles of who you are or even who you want to be. So once you determine these three to five core principles, and they, you don't have to be that right now, but maybe something that you want to be or something you want to live up to. Once you write that down, write it on your wall, write it somewhere you can see it daily and just start to weave out the people who are not like that, who are not conducive for your future or living up to the standards that you've set for yourself. I want to thank you both for helping us learn that while our past will certainly shape who we are, it doesn't have to define our future. And that when you find someone who makes you better, hold on to that person because there's nothing you can't accomplish together. Thank you so much. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I encourage everyone to connect with Alexis and Justin on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and to buy the autographed copy of their new book, 
Just follow the links in the description below. We'll see you all next week on Motivational Mondays.